Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Sawcox. In this week's edition of Insight, we can consider the important climate change questions. And like a gambler using body parts to feed their addiction, we should quit while we're still ahead. Can the industry stomach footing the bill for more catastrophes by giving more hands out? Or is it all in vain? Yet another business interruption case starts this week. Who knows what's going to happen? We certainly can't pick it. Excessive profits in the New South Wales CTP market may have gone on for years, but it's about to change the government steps in to leg it with some cash. When we get to the heart of the matter about mental health discrimination, perhaps I ought to take note myself. Hello, everyone. On the panel today are Managing Editor John Deeks, Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh, and Chairman Terry McMullen. Good morning, Wendy. Good morning. I'm not sure this is a suitable question, but do you have a favourite body part? <laughs> I quite like my feet. They, just, <laughs> they get me about. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, good morning, Terry. Good morning. On a scale of nine to ten, how much are you regretting letting me host this podcast now, right now? <laughs> right now, ten. <laughs> and hello to John. Hello. Anything uh, you'd like to add? Not really. I, I, I did suffer an injury to a body part as a result of a dog attack in the park. So that wasn't too much fun, but never mind, we'll move on. All right. We'll be asking all of those questions later. Anyway, onto the onto the news of the week. All the news seems to be about climate change at the moment, John. After following Scott Mollison's trip to Egypt down denial, can you pick out some of the key angles for us? Yes, we, we, we've got a whole range of stories in this week's bulletin focusing on climate change as the UN summit in Glasgow pushes the issue to the top of everyone's agenda. Uh, We've got APRA highlighting the fact that climate change is a direct financial risk and its guidance on this matter will be finalised later this year. We've got Munich Re saying that the longer leaders fail to take meaningful action, the worse climate-related losses will get. Rapidly phasing out fossil fuels is essential, the giant reinsurer says. Aon has released a report showing that the fingerprints of climate change are all over recent catastrophes such as Hurricane Ida. But it's not all doom and gloom, and a different report from the University of Cambridge says the insurance industry can play a crucial role in addressing the problem. That role includes encouraging clients towards net zero, but also developing new products and services to ensure the green economy. A Swiss re-hosted session at the Glasgow conference also heard that the industry can do so much because of the scale of its investments and the depth of its risk expertise. Swiss Re says hope is not lost. This is a mission possible, but everyone has to get involved. And that includes reinsurers, insurers and brokers. Terry, how do you think the Australian insurance industry will respond to this call to action? It's interesting, isn't it, seeing there from John's little summary, the the, the fact that the, the global reinsurers are, are really... Uh, becoming the opinion leaders and the pushers rather than just commentators. Um, the local industry does have influence uh, in Canberra. It's, it's how it chooses to present it in a united front that may be more difficult. The, lots of companies have different priorities. The major insurers in Australia certainly uh, have a, a more direct influence on local politics than the international members of the Insurance Council do. So I guess... The answer is it's really all in the nuances, but be sure that ICA has a big role here coordinating and to some extent driving the industry's place in the debate. What I can't understand is the industry is known to be sort of post-event solvers. You know, they support and help people recover after 
the event. Can it really have that much influence? Well, yes, it can, because after all, the insurance industry is the one that that pays for those uh, events. And really, you come into issues of things like affordability, etc. You are starting to look at climate change influences. And it's also the, the fact that, you know, how much can the industry afford if we continue to go on ignoring the impacts of climate change. Well, when did the business interruption test case appeal hearing started yesterday? I've stopped giving it a number as I've lost count, but can you tell us where we're at? Well, yeah, so um, this is the uh, the full court appeal, so it's being uh, heard by uh, uh, three judges. This involves uh, five cases that were part of the ICA test case that was heard in the federal court in uh, September uh, plus, there's also um, an appeal related to a dispute between the Star Entertainment Group and Chubb that was also heard in the federal court. The judges started off on Monday with the Star matter and then they're sort of moving through the, the rest of them. So, um, and in all these six um, appeals, it's actually the policyholders that are appealing after the initial judgments uh, went largely in favour of the insurers. So the, uh, the court set aside this week and potentially Monday and Tuesday um, next week to, to hear all this. Um, um, and then there's hopes that they might come back with a decision before the end of the year, uh, possibly or early next year. John, after that, will I be able to stop counting or uh, is there going to be more? Yes, well, unfortunately, there could be more. The ICA previously said that it hoped to have clarity by the end of this year. But commentators point out that there's still an avenue for further appeal to the High Court and that if that's taken up, then it could be more like this time next year before there's a final, final decision. Legal experts that we've spoken to reckon it's inevitable that the losing side will apply to the High Court for special leave to appeal and that the court would probably grant it. Meanwhile, insurers are unable to finalise any of the BI COVID claims that are sitting on their files and the business owners are still no clearer as to whether they will have their claims paid out or not. Right. Well, there's a major new damning report out on how the industry, insurance industry deals with mental health. John, what's the problem here? Yes, well, the, the Public Interest Advocacy Centre has released this report entitled Mental Health Discrimination in Insurance. And it aims to address the challenges people living with a mental health condition can face in accessing cover. Australians can experience increased premiums, restrictions on their policies, and sometimes outright rejection of their applications and claims when a history of mental illness is disclosed. This is primarily a problem in life insurance, but it does stray into some areas of general insurance too. Travel insurers have made some significant changes here a few years ago, with many removing blanket exclusions, but the Social Justice Centre says they're still not perfect. So uh, just to give you a couple of examples from the report, Jessica, not her real name, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder 10 years ago. She's managing the condition well with the appropriate support and medication and has never taken time off work because of it but her applications for TPD and income protection cover were simply declined with no further details sought by insurers. And then there's Suzanne who suffered a panic attack in Thailand and spent four days in hospital with paranoia and confusion. Her travel insurer wouldn't pay, suggesting the claim related to a pre-existing condition because she had experienced postnatal depression 16 years earlier. In the current climate, there's a growing concern that people won't seek help for mental health issues for fear of being labelled or frozen out by their insurers. Of course, legally, you can't discriminate on the basis of disability. 
but there's an exemption for insurers if they can show the discrimination is based on reasonable actuarial or statistical data. The report says insurers are not demonstrating this properly in relation to their use of blanket exclusions or decisions to decline cover, and they've called for ASIC to investigate. Is the industry trying to catch up and work through this, or are they just deciding with the blanket covers to put everything in the too hard basket? From the general insurance point of view, this issue came up with travel insurance a few years ago, as I said, and there was some really genuine efforts there to sort things out and remove some of the blanket exclusions. On the life side, the FSC has responded to this report, and they say that they, they, they support most of the recommendations and that they will be included in the next version of the Life Insurance Code of Practice. Well, Terry, following on from our own industry survey recently into mental health, do you think the industry has got a long way to go and how it deals with these issues? Yeah, in, in a word, we really do still have a long way to go. As companies and, and as individuals, it's always been a little disturbing that uh, some of the the ways that claims get rejected uh, seem to be so unfair, but that's often because what is being followed is just wording and trying to find, in some cases, a way not to pay. That sort of thing, though, if, if I compare it with 10 years ago, I, th- I think it's obvious that some very big strides have already been made and are still being made and not just by you know the big insurers I, I think it's across the board uh, and that's because it has to you have to because that's what customers are demanding and, and that's what the public is demanding and I think it's being helped by you know, look let's look on the the industry it's there's a more enlightened generation uh, taking the lead in insurance now at all levels. Things are changing fast and we have to learn to keep up with it. And really, there is still a lot of room for us to to move into being a little bit more, um, what's the word, enlightened in, in the way that we approach claims when it's related to mental health in particular. Well, I don't seem to hear excessive insurer profits often, but it's been mentioned in New South Wales CTP. John... What's this about the government about to swipe some of the industry's hard-earned cash? Well, yes, the New South Wales State Insurance Regulatory Authority says it has the right under the reformed CTP scheme to seize excess profits from insurers. And it's proposing to carve off about $91 million, which is basically anything over and above a 10% profit. This does only relate to one year, with other years still to be assessed. So that figure could certainly rise. The affected insurers have until November the 29th to appeal. But motorists might be happy, even if insurance aren't. The clawback would result in a $19 saving on their CTP next year. This seems quite unusual, Terry. It's not all that unusual. The the New South Wales legislation is fairly clear that that really the the authority can set uh, premium levels. But when you look at it from a wider context, I always quote Paul Keating, never stand between a state government and a pot of money. The New South Wales government has always treated the industry pretty shabbily. Uh, remember Gladys, uh, Gladys Berejiklian's backflip on dropping the, the emergency services levy. And they, they got away with such behaviour then because the public and, and the media in general have a low awareness of the insurance industry and how it works. 
Suffice to say, Andrew, the recorded phone comments by the former Premier in the ICAC hearings doesn't give you much faith in the way New South Wales politicians make financial decisions anyway. Finally to Wendy, the biggest conference in general insurance is returning. What can we expect from next year's Steadfast Convention, Wendy? Well, yes, it's uh, uh, back again after two years of being cancelled because of COVID. So it will be uh, held um, at the Adelaide Convention Centre from uh, March 20 to 22. Um, The the theme this time will be Our Time Is Now uh, and the website for it um, with all the details is is up and running. But, um, you know, it's probably too early to say exactly what the uh, COVID guidelines will be, but they they just make the point that um, saying that obviously whatever's required, they'll they'll be following those arrangements. Terry, looking into your crystal ball, do you think most of the insurance conferences and conventions will make a comeback next year? I really hope so. This industry places a great deal of value on face-to-face communication and, let it be said, fraternity in, in all its wonderful forms. But I suppose there may well be some differences in the way that future conferences run. The information, inspiration, collaboration and celebration format is kind of difficult to move away from though. The the broking sector in particular holds a, a wide range of conferences that bring their scattered people together. Big or small, they rely on insurance companies to help pay for the gig Uh, That seems to be the rule. I I can't think of any that don't. While insurers value their relationships with brokers, the pot they're sharing out the money from may well be smaller in these troubled times, and that could affect how some smaller regional or single company events get organised. But it'll also be interesting to see, I guess it's once again a generational thing, exactly how and, and what people want to know. Well, on that note, it brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel, John Deeks, Wendy Pugh and Terry McMullen. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and all your favourite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.